It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh. Every day. Touchdown. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski. I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the Internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how today's Expert Tuesdays brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the league of football watchers because pepsi isn't made for those who play the game it's made for those who watch it pepsi made for football watching olivia reiner from packer news on the show today to talk about the packers third down success to talk about mike Petton a little bit we'll get to that conversation coming up here in a few minutes i wanted to start the show today with A conversation about the Packers draft. And the reason I want to do that is because there has been some consternation, particularly over the last few weeks. And I would say, you know, coming out of a game where the Packers won in a moderately unconvincing fashion. And I think it's easy to look around the league and look at what the Packers have and say, You know, they really didn't do anything to help this team in 2020. They come off a 13-3 season. They draft a quarterback, a running back, and a fullback. First of all, Josiah DeGuara, the Packers have tried to make clear, is not a fullback. He's a tight end. Even if he is going to be used as an H-back and a fullback at times, he's a tight end. At least that's what they're telling us. He played a little bit of everywhere early in the season when he was out there. That's not the point of this. The point of this is go back and look at the teams that made the playoffs last year. Find me the team who went into the draft, hit a home run in the draft, and that has now elevated them in 2020 to clear contender favorites because that is what I keep hearing. I keep hearing from fans, oh, well, instead of drafting three players who don't play, by the way, two from injury, not really fair, they could have taken these players who would make them the clear favorites. They'd be blowing teams out if they had Michael Pittman Jr. Or they had Patrick Queen, forgetting for the moment that Patrick Queen has been legitimately one of the worst every down players in football this season. There are not... 
all of these teams who went to the playoffs last year and at the end of the first round, end of the second round, end of the third round, took these players who have suddenly transformed them into real Super Bowl contenders. They just don't exist. And there are some teams that were on the borderline of playoff contention. You look at a team like Tampa Bay or Pittsburgh and, you know, the Steelers draft Chase Claypool and and that elevates their team a little bit. But their offense has been bad or at least mediocre. And in these two losses, straight up bad. Claypool on the Packers, a different player to be sure. But the point here is good teams tend to have very few starting spots allocated to rookies. If you are relying on rookies, you tend to have problems. So you look at the Minnesota Vikings, everyone said, oh, they had this great draft. And that was one of the big reasons why they were being picked ahead of the Packers who had this purportedly bad draft. And everyone seemed to forget that the Vikings watched a lot of starts walk out the door. Turns out Xavier Rhodes wasn't a dog player. He has been good in Indianapolis for the Colts. You have to revamp your entire secondary, mostly with rookies. They're going to struggle. And yes, they replaced Stephon Diggs with, with Justin Jefferson, who's been every bit as good as Stephon Diggs. Guess what? That team is worse, not better. They're going to have to fight and scratch and claw to get into the playoffs. Their draft didn't make them a contender. Their draft backfilled the losses that they had elsewhere. Green Bay didn't have those losses. They had to replace a right tackle, which they had already planned for when they signed Billy Turner. He slots in at the right tackle. Lucas Patrick and or Lane Taylor slots in at right guard. And your offensive line is solidified. You go in to a season with Christian Kirksey as your every down starting inside linebacker. No rookie that they would have drafted changes that. And yeah, sure. Okay. You take someone, maybe they come in and they can play the 20%, 30% of snaps that Chris Barnes or Kamal Martin is playing right now. And you would have had someone for when Kirksey was inevitably going to be injured. But Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes have been good. They've been good players in limited snaps. Limited players, they're not blue chip elite prospects by any means, but they've been useful and impactful for the Packers, but they weren't top three round draft choices. So we can't talk about them. Can we? This is a very similar discussion to the first round pick receiver question. Oh, no, they haven't had any of these first round picks hit. They haven't spent receiver or they haven't drafted a receiver with the first round pick. But how many second round picks and how many of those hit? How many third round picks? And how many of those hit? Who cares where they're drafted if they're getting productivity from rookies? And they are. Barnes, Martin, Vernon Scott was the Packers' highest graded player on Sunday by Pro Football Focus. John Runyon Jr. has given them important snaps to injury. This is how it works when you have a good team. You have very few starting spots allocated to rookies. And, and that is is a good thing, by the way, because rookies are almost always bad. Rookies are usually bad. And so if you have to rely on rookies, you're going to have some trouble. The Chiefs don't have, they didn't have to spend a first round pick on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They could get baseline level running back play from a fourth round pick, a fifth round pick, 
Just ask the Green Bay Packers. They have two of them from day three. And not just because it's good scouting, because any Chiefs running back that they throw out there is going to be useful because of the way that offense hums. Now, they were getting some good productivity from someone like Legereus Sneed at slot corner. But guess what? Their defense is worse than it was last year. And their passing defense especially is worse than it was last year because they're using a rookie who was playing relatively well before he got hurt and, and since to replace a legitimately good NFL starter. Guess what? That's really hard. That's really hard. Let's bring this full circle now. The Packers said this before the, the, the season started. Their draft class that needed to be impactful was the 2019 class. And Elton Jenkins has been one of the most versatile offensive linemen in football. He has been outstanding at basically every position. Darnell Savage, particularly in the last six weeks, looks like he has more than just star potential. He is transforming rapidly into a legitimately good player with a chance to be great. Rashawn Gary, who was good in the first half before getting hurt, he needs to be able to stay on the field, but he has taken a leap this year. He looks like the future at outside linebacker and could be a very, very good player. Now, Jay Sternberger had the concussion and, and had COVID, so he was you know trying to work his way back in. The uniqueness of that, I think we, we can't forget, but has been good when he's been used. Kingsley Kiki has turned into a useful impactful defensive lineman. He was a, a field tilter against the Philadelphia Eagles last year. And the fact that guys like Kadar Holman and Ty Summers, who are core special teamers, you know, Kadar Holman's play on the punt return is a big reason two weeks ago why the Eagles were able to get that uh, long Jalen Rager touchdown. Now, that's not a good impact, but he's playing on core special teams. His play, good or bad, impacts the Packers' ability to win football games. Because it turns out it takes a year or two or even three for rookies to be impactful. And if you look at a lot of the teams right now who are good, they're good because their draft two years ago was really good. And some of those guys did have teams, and some of those teams did have guys who were good right away. You know, the Titans, they had a good draft in 2019. A.J. Brown was good right away. He's been even better this year because the the growth of their team, their internal growth. Phrasing, I know. The, <laughs> the draft class that inevitably needs to move forward is not the one that you picked that year. The Packers did not throw away draft picks we can quibble over whether they could have taken players at positions that were more impactful. No question about it, especially at running back in the second round. The value there is not great. But Josiah DeGuara could end up being someone who plays like 60% of snaps for this team. They wanted Jay Sternberger to be their move tight end. They want DeGuara to be their, their utility tight end. And they were going to see what they had with Big Bob Tunyon. And it turned out Tunyon is really good. And now they have some decisions to make. And, and they've got some some contracts that they may have to hand out. Now they can they can move forward with Tunyon with just a um, a designation, but that's going to cost money too as a restricted free agent. So 
they're going to have to make some decisions on that moving forward. Of course, we know they have to make decisions at running back. A.J. Dillon could be a huge part of this offense starting next year. He could be a huge part of this offense starting this week. As the weather gets colder, you know the Packers want to use A.J. Dillon. So just remember, when you look around the league and you go, oh, that team and their rookie, they're just doing it. It's so great. Okay, where were they last year? How did they do last year? Were they 13-3? and three? Did they go to the NFC Championship game? Because tell me how the 49ers are doing. Tell me how that rebuild of a, a championship caliber team is going. They've been decimated by injuries. The Buckner to Kinlaw was a clear downgrade. If you trade a, a stud defensive lineman for a rookie, you're going to lose quality of play. That's just how it is. You lose Emmanuel Sanders. And you got to put Brandon Ayuk in there right away. Ayuk has been good. Guess what? Debo Samuel's been hurt all year. If you have to rely on rookies and you were a good team the year before, it's because you have injuries. It's because you're backfilling talent that you lost or are losing in the moment. The Packers have not had to do that. And that, as much as anything else, is a reflection of this team's quality. They've been good and good in ways that they weren't last year in a lot of cases because of internal development, because of the way Matt LaFleur has put together this offense, because of what they've been able to do in, in the play calling and the scheming and the details and everything that makes this offense hum. Now, would they be better with Chase Claypool? Yes. 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 They would. They would. That's not the argument. The thing about the draft is worrying about year one impact is the best way to pick low ceiling players because they have high floors and you feel good about them plugging and playing right away. And, and I think if anything, you know, their day two, they did that a little bit. You know, A.J. Dillon, they felt confident could come in right away and play snaps for them if they needed him to. Josiah DeGuara, they were ready to have him come right in and play snaps. So I just I, I, I think this is an important part of how we evaluate this team, because when you when you look in and you go, you go into the playoffs and let's say they lose in the playoffs, it's not going to be because this draft class wasn't impactful enough. It's going to be because the 2019 draft class wasn't impactful enough. The 2018 draft class wasn't impactful enough. The free agency class was not impactful enough and or their defensive coordinator did not put them in a position to succeed. It is not going to be because of missed opportunities in the 2020 draft. It's just not, because that's really not how this works. Now, you can you can say they missed opportunities to get better. I just don't agree. I just don't agree. And, you know, it, it, if we find out in a year or two that these guys can't play, bad draft. But deciding a draft was good or bad, or that you helped or hurt your team, 14 weeks into an NFL season with that rookie class, it's just a bad idea. Before we get to Olivia, let's talk about our friends at Blue Nile. Today's episode is brought to you by 1010. Now, you may have read about this in the New York Times or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. And when they're gone, they're gone. 
We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're making 2020 plans or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats you can pick from. Main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft, and you can even play private contests with your friends. There's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel. And that's what I love about it. Experience season-long wins without the season-long wait. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. All right, let's get to my conversation with Olivia Reiner. She is the multimedia master at Packer News. You can follow her at Reiner Olivia on Twitter, Journal Sentinel, Packer News, etc. Olivia, thanks for coming back on Locked on Packers. Anytime. I'm happy to be here. It's good to chat with you. It's been a little while. It has been a little while. And uh, unfortunately, we were talking before this that because of the world that we live in, you know, press boxes are not the same. Locker rooms are not the same. So all of this is is just weird and, and we're having to make do with it. Uh, and, and, you know, let's let's start there because this is a Packers team that is 10 and three. Uh, they're they're playing really good football. And yet there are some questions about, you know, the way that they've played at home this season and, and the lack of energy, especially on defense, but offensively, too. Uh, this is something that is is clearly for health purposes, and and of course we want everyone to be safe. But do you have any th- questions about whether it would actually be beneficial to this team to have home playoff games this year? Because there there are some fans talking about that right now. That oh, it would be better if they're in a dome. It would be better if you know they were somewhere where there might be a little bit more fan enthusiasm, even if it's road fans. Yeah, I guess from one standpoint, you could argue that the Packers themselves as a team don't benefit very much anymore from being at home and playing in this weather anymore. And they tend to play better in dome type of environments or warmer weather type of environments anyway. Um, However, I I don't know. I think if you're a a road, if you're coming into Lambeau Field in January, I don't don't know. I don't think the the Buccaneers are going to fare pretty well (laughs) over here if they end up, uh, you know, over here. Uh, at any point uh, as the Packers get through some NFC opponents, if there's a a plural at the end of that uh, throughout the playoffs. But 
I don't know. I think there's an advantage to playing here at Lambeau Field at home, even without fans in the stands. It's it's January. It's disgusting out. I don't want to be outside in January. I can't imagine they want to be standing outside playing football in January here. So perhaps there's an advantage. Perhaps these next several games, you know, there'll be two games at home and then they're on the road in Chicago. Chicago's not too different. Weather-wise from here, it'll be a good acclimation period for the Packers to get back, get used to the gross weather. Um, I don't think it's supposed to be all that ni- nice this weekend on Saturday night. It's supposed to be a rain and snow mix. So I think it'll help them get ready for the playoffs. And if they're able to secure that top seed in the NFC, then they will have that advantage and have that, uh, you know, they'll be accustomed to the bad weather. Yeah, getting Drew Brees and Tom Brady to come play in January in Lambeau Field feels like it would be an advantage. So uh, something certainly I, I think that they're going to they're going to try and figure out how they can they, they can tweak this. I mean, we're we've literally had conversations with Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur about game ops and should there be roll out the barrel? I mean, they're they're really I don't want to say grasping at straws, but but it <laughs> seems like it does matter for these players uh, what's going on in the stadium. One of the reasons why I think some fans think that the dome would be beneficial for the Packers is because of the way this offense is built. And we saw it on Sunday. The, the Lions geared up to stop the run. So Aaron Rodgers did what Aaron Rodgers does. They go eight of 11 on third down. They were incredible in this game and have been really good all season. You wrote about it. What what are they doing differently? What is going on with them on third down? Because they seem almost automatic. They've been a lot more efficient this year on third down. As you mentioned, if you want to do the math, I'm very impressed with my math skills. My math skills are not usually uh, what I (laughs) brag about. I have other redeeming qualities, but eight of 11, that's 73% on third down, which is absolutely mind-blowing. Last season, the Packers were averaging around 46, 47, excuse me, no, coming into this game against the Lions, the Packers were averaging between 46 and 47% on third down, which is a big improvement over last season when they were averaging around 36% on third down. Um, So they've, they've clearly taken a big step. And I think part of it is that they're not putting themselves into these third and long situations or, you know, third and six, third and seven, third and eight, and so on and so forth. They're really keeping it down. They're in more short yardage situations. And when you're in short yardage situations, it's a lot easier to convert and to stay on the field. And the Packers have been really successful in doing so. Last night, even on third and 14, they were successful in converting. Yep. Marquez Valdez-Scantling had a 21-yard reception and kept the drive alive and ultimate, ultimately was a touchdown drive, a scoring drive for the Packers. Um, so I think, yeah, they've just been a lot better uh, at keeping it short yardage situations um and right now after with the lions game factored in 13 games this season the average uh i believe is around 50 percent uh conversion rate on third down which i think is insane and i believe will probably go down over the next three games i don't think it'll uh i think last night's game is going to inflate that number a little bit but i think it'll come back down um but yeah it's it's been a huge improvement over last season Offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett said last season that for this offense to be considered a playoff offense, for the Packers to be considered a playoff team, the offense needs to go around 40% converting on third down. Um, And they didn't do that, obviously, but they made the playoffs anyway. Um, And then they get to the NFC Championship game and they go three of nine in San Francisco. Um, 
So they've improved. They've set themselves up to go deeper in the playoffs because this offense is, has made a huge improvement over last season. Yeah, I saw the stat yesterday from Pro Football Focus. It's not just third down conversions because I think third down conversions can be uh, unstable year to year, so sort of like red zone. It's kind of a small sample size. Green Bay is the best offense in football at creating first downs from first downs. So when they stand there on any given first down, they are the most likely team in football to create another first down, whether it's on first, second or third down. So just it's basically widening the sample size. Remarkable what this offense has been able to do. I think fairly the question for this team has been on the defensive side of the ball. And we, we see it pop up again on Sunday. Uh, the opening drive, the Lions march right down the field at the end of the half. Uh, the Lions march right down the field and only a really bad sack from Matthew Stafford, you know, stops it from being what could be catastrophic at the end of the first half when you, you, you know, you give up uh, 10 points or, or worse, 14 points to go into the, the locker room down defensively. You know, th- this team has shown some improvements over the last month, but they still have a way to go. Do you feel like this is something that that can still get better based on the talent of this team? I don't know. I asked myself this question, too. Is this it? Is this as good as it's going to be? Can the <laughs> right. defense get any better? I mean, we what, 13 games into the regular season? Is, I, and it's not like we've seen really anything new. Um, it's more or less the same every week. It's just, can the offense win in a different way? Can the offense keep the defense off the field? Um, the Packers, you know, they're scoring at such high rates that uh, right. you know the defense can give up some points and it doesn't at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Um, and the Lions game wasn't, it was just the same. It was, you know, the Packers offense eating up time of possession, winning that battle, and then keeping the Packers defense from getting off the field. I mean, even head coach Matt LaFleur opts to have Mason Crosby kick a 57-yard field goal. You know, some some play callers would say, hey, you know, just punt it and, you know, get, let's get get the opponent's offense in like a, a just a bad situation, get them backed up. And LaFleur was like, nope, we're just going to, we're going to kick the field goal. We're going to go for it. And um, cause who knows, who knows what's going to happen on special teams? Cause the special teams unit's not any good either. Um, <laughs> right. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, we're making sweeping statements here now, but um, yeah. So it's, uh, it's just, it's pretty much this offense is, is carrying the defense along here and that's more or less what happened last night uh, you we are making uh sweeping statements but uh the special teams is also bad so we don't we don't have to we don't have to quibble over that they are by dvoa the 26th special teams uh, in football so we're safe on that i'm gonna ask you to play a little um body language doctor a little uh reading between the lines because when i watch Matt LaFleur, when I listen to the things that he says and and read the things that the quotes that he gives, it does seem like he is frustrated with this defense. It seems like he would like them to dictate terms a little bit more. He would like maybe to see a little bit more man coverage. This is ultimately his team. And as you said, we don't see much of a change week to week in what this defense is doing. Do you think because I know you you are are <laughs> in these Zoom calls, you are uh, up, you know watching him as well. Uh, do you think he is satisfied with the week to week approach that this team is taking? Uh, I don't 
know. He's certainly not happy. It seems like he's frustrated most with just the lack of consistency on defense because just within the game, you know, we'll see great drives, three and outs, and then we'll see these really long possessions where the Lions or, you know, whoever, you know, they're, they're marching down the field for a four or five minute possession um, and they're moving the ball 85 yards and they score a touchdown and they haven't been any good in the red zone this season either. So there's, he has every right to be frustrated. He should be frustrated. This isn't the defense is probably average and they are average. They're okay in context with the rest of the league. Um, but when you compare the defense to this offense, I mean, it's just, it's, there's such a disparity um, in terms of the level of, of play and the level of consistency that we've come to expect week to week. Um, so he has every right to be frustrated. I thought you were going to go down the, is defensive coordinator Mike Pettin here next year? That's what I was expecting you to ask me. Um, but okay, that, well, I, I answer that one. <laughs> I shouldn't have even brought it up because I, I hate I hate making these predictions. Um, no, I, I do know, too. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I, he was Lafleur stood by him after the NFC Championship collapse, and you know we all said, well, it's one game. He shouldn't make a decision based off of one game, but it's been many games uh, that the defense has underperformed or just hasn't performed up to the level of its offense. Its offense is performing really well, um, but the Packers are still winning. So what does that mean? <laughs> you know, right. so I guess we'll see how far they go and we'll, we'll kind of look back at it and make a, make a judgment. All right. I'm glad you, I'm glad you phrased it that way because I'm going to, I'm going to give you the chance to, to play Matt LaFleur. Matt, congrats on another win on Sunday. How far does this team have to go? And is there something that can happen in the playoffs that would lead you to say, yes, Mike Patton is my guy moving forward? And what what would have to happen for you to move on from him? Um, I'm Matt LaFleur. This is where we're role playing here. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. What would have to happen for LaFleur to move on from Mike Patton? I, 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 don't, I don't know Like if they're... No, but you're Matt Lafleur, oh, so I'm I want I want your I'm standard as him, and I'm, yes. I use like yes for you based on your judgment based of on this my team. My judgment of this team. Um, what would have to happen? I don't think he would ever answer that question, but <laughs> um, no, my I guess uh, my view of it is if yeah if the if the, the result is the same, you know, if if it if they end up in the same place as last season and if they find themselves in the same situation over and over again, how can you expect more? How can you expect things to get better um, when they haven't improved? So I think if if the Packers can go all the way and win the whole thing, I think everyone's jobs are probably safe. Um, But I, I don't, I don't know if that'll happen. Um, So yeah, that's, I I don't know. I think it's going to really depend on how these next few games go, how the playoffs go. Um, and we'll see how uh, how Lafleur feels about Petten then. We will. Thanks, Matt, for that answer. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I he would uh, deflect the, he would. the crap out and of that And he has one. gotten really good at deflecting questions that he does not feel like answering. I sent a note to, uh, I, I guess I won't share uh, the, the person, but I sent a note to someone who asked a question the other day. That was, I thought, a very good question. And that Matt LaFleur totally sidestepped. Uh, and it was a, an excellent deflection by Coach LaFleur. Um, as we, we finish up here, 
there has been a reignition of the debate. I think I think it was not really much of a debate for the last month or so. But what happened on Sunday, I think, brings this back into real light. Um, the MVP race is something that we are going to be talking a lot about over the next three weeks. Let's just say Aaron Rodgers continues on this pace. Where do you where do you handicap this race right now on on who you think is deserving of the MVP? Oof. Um, I think I got you on the hot seat Chief, today, Olivia. I know this is uh, making big decisions. If all of the uh, decisions came down to me, that would be a problem. That's why I, my job is my job, and I am not in other people's just, uh, positions that have to make bigger decisions than I do. Um, that's <laughs> that's my opinion. But uh, yeah, Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes certainly in the running alongside Aaron Rodgers. Um, but. Yesterday, we saw some cracks in, in Mahomes. He threw three interceptions. Um, he also threw 393 yards and three touchdowns yep, casually. against the Dolphins. <laughs> Just normal normal stuff. Um, but so, yeah, he's, uh, what, four interceptions now this season uh, for Mahomes. So bringing him back down to earth a little bit, I guess. But Rodgers had another really good performance yesterday. Um, so... I, they're, it's close. I think it's really going to come down to the wire between the two of them. Um, you know, I think you can start to nitpick a little bit and say, okay, well, maybe Rodgers' weapons aren't of the same caliber, but the Packers have the better offensive line, but this and that. Um, so, I, again, just going to have to wait. Patience. Patience is a virtue, everyone. <laughs> I, think, I think we're going to have to see how the rest of the season pans out um, and if there's any more uh, miraculous miraculous acts that either of them can and undoubtedly will pull off a matt lafleur-esque deflection on that one olivia that was great i appreciate it <laughs> uh and uh if people do not know uh what you're up to and where they can find you please let them know all of that stuff yes packersnews.com jsonline.com i also am now doing a podcast with co-host tom silverstein fellow packers news js online colleague i've assumed the duties of our our colleague Jim Mozarski, who has been moved over to the Bucks beat, who we miss quite a bit over there. But you know, you can hear me over on the Green 19 podcast twice a week. Um, we also do a daily live stream on all of our social media platforms on Packers News, Facebook, Periscope, and YouTube. So check it all out. It's a lot of good stuff, a lot of stuff. Um, I'm going to go crawl into a, a hole and maybe sleep for a little bit, I think, go to bed early. Um, but it's been a great week. It's um, it's a fun time of year. So um, thanks for, for chatting with me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk soon. Absolutely. All right. I want to thank Olivia again for joining the show. Great to talk to her. Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Go. Built Go is the healthy replacement for your energy drink, but the energy is not fake. It's lasting and natural. You get to that point, 2.30, 3 o'clock, your day is really dragging and you need that boost. You need to break through that wall. Well, Built Go can help you get there, whether it's a mental wall, a physical wall, maybe you're out on the golf course, maybe it's warm where you are. That would be very lucky for you. You can put it in your golf bag, put it in your briefcase, your purse, wherever, just to help you get through whatever it is you need to get to. It's like drinking an energy drink with a third of the caffeine 
and better results. It comes in three delicious flavors. And because it comes from the makers of the best tasting protein bar ever, you know it's going to taste delicious. Right now, go to BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. This episode is brought to you by WISE. Progress is great, isn't it? People listen to music on record players, then tapes and CDs, and now you can stream music and podcasts. When technology moves forward, you move with it. Like with WISE, the modern way to move money internationally. It's smarter and simpler. They use new technologies, so when you send, spend, or convert money with WISE, you get a better exchange rate with lower fees. And over 30% of transfers arrive in less time than it takes to listen to this right now. Join over 10 million people and businesses and try WISE for free at wise.com slash podcast. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Zhao, you doing Wednesday? You know how we do. And Lily Zhao from Fox 6 will be here to talk about Packers Panthers to finish up our thoughts about what happened on Sunday and get you ready for a week 15 matchup that has Green Bay in a position to really stranglehold this this top spot in the NFC. If the Chiefs beat the Saints, the Packers can can actually lose to the Titans if they beat the Panthers and the Bears and still be the number one seed because of the tiebreakers, because of the head-to-head with the Saints, and because of the way the conference tiebreakers shake out. Not a position you want to be in. The Packers right now can control their own destiny, and that's where they want to be. Matt LaFleur talked about it. He told uh, Mike Silver at NFL Network that the, the number one seed, the first round by, is really important to this team. That is the next goal. One not done is the mantra with this team, and they're trying to get that first round by to make it a little bit easier to get that Super Bowl title. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.